0: Um, the scripture speaks to me very powerfully, and it reminds me of everything I am to do with God and God's word. Um, so it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in, in the sight of God and man. You know, we all want to have a good name, you know, under God. And I believe that you truly get a good name when you just let go and let God and you let him transform your life. People are going to give you that name. That's a good man of God. That's a good woman of God. You don't have to chase that title. It's given to you once you let go and let God. Um, So I'm just going to pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you so, so much, Father God, for your faithfulness, Jesus. I thank you that you're a God of healing, Father God. I thank you that you are just sovereign, Lord God, and you are everywhere, my King. You know everything about us, Father God, because you knitted us in our in my, our mom's womb, Father God. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're about to do today, Lord God. I ask you, Lord, that the broken men and women that come today, Father God, that their hearts are open, Lord God, open to receive your word, Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you just touch them today, Father God, that they do not leave here the same as when they came, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Amen. Who's excited to worship God today? Make some noise if you're excited. Just lift up your hands right now. Say, Jesus, you're the reason I'm here. You're the reason I've come. I love you today. I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout. I'm going to dance in your presence. Now give the Lord a shout of praise in this place.
2: Roaring like a lion My God's not dead Surely alive He's living on the inside Roaring like a lion My God's not dead Surely alive He's living on the
1: inside Who believes inside. that today? Like a lion. My God's not dead Surely alive He's living Come on the inside Come on, lift inside. up your hands and sing Roaring that You clear that God, over this city. Cry, yes, My God's not dead. You sure me? You hear that, dead. devil? Rolling like a be in the house of the Lord today. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Jesus, we see the turmoil in this world. We see the hatred, the pain, the murder, the violence. But Lord, you did not leave us orphans. You call us your children, your sons and daughters. And Father God, today we praise you. Church all over this place, just lift up your hands. Do you believe in a strong God today? Do you believe in a God of strength? A God of power? A God of glory? A God that can set this world free? That can save even the worst of terrorists? That loves even them? A God who bled on the cross so that we wouldn't have to die in our sins? Lord, we can be free. We can be free. Are you free today? Come on, are you free today? Father to the fatherless. Voice and cry Awesome is our strong God. My Up your hands and say that. this place. Worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is in here. He is in this place. Come on. For the next 60 seconds, just lift up your voice and declare the goodness of the King. Hallelujah. To the fatherless, you love the brokenhearted. You love those that need mercy. You give mercy to those who need mercy. Hallelujah! ba Whoa! Jesus, come on! Ten more seconds! Ten more seconds! Lift your voice and shout out, awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God, sing, raise your hands and shout out, awesome. is in this place. God is in this place. Do you feel it, church? Do you feel his presence? Someone has a word to encourage the body. Now is the time to share. before the Lamb of, of God, God and see you are worthy of know you are worthy of it, all. Worthy of it all. for from you are all things to your hands and sing that isn't he great Thank you. It's just a voice to sing.
2: of all the adoration. He is worth to receive all of your heart, all of your devotion. Come on, right now, just you and him. You are worth it, King, you are worth it. You are worthy, King, you are worthy. Come on, we lay down our lives before you this morning. We come in full surrender all across this room. Why don't you lift up your hands with me? hallelujah, Señor, hallelujah, King of kings and Prince of peace, Savior of this world. You are worthy to receive all glory, all honor, all praise, hallelujah. We love you, Lord, and we surrender this morning our life. We surrender, dear God, our dreams. We surrender our families to you. We surrender our careers to you. We surrender our communities to you, and we surrender our city to you, dear God. You are worthy to receive it, dear God. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our city, the city of Chicago, to you, dear God. We lift up the city of Chicago to you, God, and we say without you, we can do nothing about the troubles that we're facing. We can do nothing, dear God, without you about all the crimes that are taking place. We can do nothing without you, God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in repentance for what our city stands for right now. Father, having the highest murder, dear God, all across the nation is not okay, and it's not something to boast about. Father, the division that's taking place, dear God, for the young man who was shot 16 times, God, we cry out and we say, have mercy on us, Lord God. We have turned away from you. We need you, God. We need your mercy. We need your grace. And we need justice to take place. We need justice, God. Without you, we have nothing. There is no social program. There is, Father, no no program out there, no activity, no curriculum that can do this. But we need your mighty hand right now. Come on. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we cry out for your mighty hand to move, to sweep through the city of Chicago, to awaken hearts of people, that we would come back, we would turn from our wicked ways, and we would humble ourselves. And, Father, we trust and believe that you will heal our land. So in the name of Jesus, please lift up your hands one more time. Father, we say use us here at Metro Praise. Use us to be the light in the midst of darkness. Use us to bring the words of healing and restoration to those who are hurting. In the name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you because we know that you are able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Come on, do you believe that this morning, Metro Praise? Do you believe God is the all-powerful, almighty king of peace? Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory and honor because we know you're doing it one community at a time, one school at a time, dear God, one family at a time. You will bring revival once again. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor. Come on, one more time. Give and praise. God, you're good. Hallelujah. Have your way, Holy Spirit, with the rest of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Why don't you greet your neighbor and find a seat? Amen. God is so good. So good to have you all here with us this morning. I'm going to ask all the King's kids to make your way back. Your Sunday school teacher is waiting for you. My name is Pastor Griselda. So good to have you guys here with us this morning. I want to take this time to preach the gospel to you. Somebody say gospel. That's the good news. Amen. We need good news. We've always needed good news. You want to know why? Because since the beginning of time, man has gone astray. We have turned from the things of God. We have chosen sin instead of the things that God had for us and because of that we need good news because without jesus without mercy without grace upon our lives we are destined to destruction because sin cannot be in the presence of a holy god but if you please turn with me in your bibles to john 3 3. jesus tells us the way where we can have eternal life where we can see his kingdom he says here Jesus answered a man named Nicodemus. He was a religious leader. And he asked him, how can a man be saved? And Jesus answered to him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this religious man who had it all together and he knew the way. To please God in His own mind, maybe by keeping commandments, by keeping religious laws and and traditions. In His mind, He had it figured out, but He just wanted to make sure. And Jesus answers him, and He tells you, "I tell you the truth, you cannot see the kingdom unless you are born again. It's not by our good works. It's not by our efforts. It's a spiritual rebirth that only comes when we put our faith in Jesus." Amen. He is the savior of the world. He's the one that gives us, gives us life. And the Bible tells us that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So my friends, the question this morning is, are you born again? Because if you're not born again, you cannot see his kingdom. You cannot spend eternity with God if you reject him here on this earth. And it's not just with your mouth, but your actions then follow those words. Amen? He gives you new life where you see things differently. You see things the way that he does. You care about things that he cares about. That is being born again. New life. And God has it for each and every one of us. Unless you're born again, you cannot see his kingdom. So my friends, this morning he invites you to come. Jesus invites you to receive that new life. Repent of your sins. Leave that wicked way because it only leads to destruction. And receive the life and the path that God has for you because nothing compares. He is a good God. He is all-powerful and he's all-knowing. He knows every sin that we've ever committed, but he's willing to forgive each and every one of them if you would just call on the name of Jesus this morning. If that's you, I want to pray right now. Please stand to your feet. If you're saying, I want that new life, I want to see God's kingdom one day, I want to live for him here on this earth, you can make that decision today. We're going to have prayer workers right over here, and they are ready and willing to pray with you and to help you to get established in a discipleship relationship, so let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. We thank you that you have made a way for us to receive eternal life. Although we have sinned against you, although we have at one point father being considered your enemies you still have had mercy on us and made a way through your son jesus christ so i pray that in this room if there's someone who is not right with you if someone who has not been born again that today they would be saved today they will humble themselves before you and cry out for mercy and grace right now if you're in this room just search your heart are you living for jesus if you were to die today are you right with him Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would touch on the hearts of those people, that you would draw them, that they would not walk out of here the same. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. We are so excited. If that's you, once again, please come up and pray with our workers because they want to talk to you. They want to coach you through that. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to recite our confession of faith This is our biblical worldview, and so we recite it every week. So on the count of three, let's do it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Please, why don't you greet your neighbor, meet somebody new, and if you need prayer, prayer, please come up to our prayer workers. Welcome to MPI, everybody. Please find your seat. So good to have you all here with us this morning. You guys excited to be in the house of God? Amen. God is good, and he is doing big things. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Every Sunday morning, we're here. We have services at 10 and 1 p.m., always having our children's ministry provided for you. And every Friday, we have our Elevate Youth Service at 7 p.m. Elevate. Awesome. I have a couple of announcements here for you. Just want to remind you, December 20th at our 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. service, we're having our Christmas service it is called a tribute to the king so this has become our annual uh thing during our christmas service where we want to come we want to display different talents that we have throughout the church and it's our tribute to the king it's something that we are doing giving up to the lord and so auditions are taking place there for 201ers and up elders and deacons if you want help if you want if you you're saying that's me i want to do that i have a talent and i want to to display it for Jesus on this Christmas presentation, please talk to Adam. If Adam, are you in the room? Or Pastor Lauren? Or Pastor Jerry Ishmael? Are you in the room? Okay, they're not here. So if you have any questions about that, please talk to myself, and I'll direct you in the uh, in the to the right place. And then next, we have our Christmas family fun night happening December twenty-third at six thirty. Come on, yes, give it up for that. This is actually a beautiful amazing time we're going to have during our children's ministry we're going to have games crafts gifts for all our, all children and we're going to have special raffles taking place invite your neighbors invite your family members your friends and of course bring out your children because it's going to be an amazing time amen and so here at MPI our vision is to love God and to love people the greatest commands that Jesus gave us so that's what we do everything we do flows out of that vision and how we do things is through this discipleship strategy first we want to make sure that you're connected to Jesus. Somebody say connected. We want to make sure that you're saved. He's the one who's going to do it all. So you have that relationship with Jesus and then once you do, you get connected to a life group. Somebody say life group. All right. I want you guys to get these words in you. Connected to Jesus, connected to life group. And so life groups are places where we share life together. So please pull out your handout. If you received your handout, please pull it out. There it is. So on the back of your handout, you have every single one of our life groups that we have this whole entire quarter. We have something for everyone, children's, gang ministry, adult Bible study, evangelism, and so on. There's something for you, so please get connected. And this is what we have going on this week. Tuesday, we have our resistance youth life group taking place here at the church, yes, at 6 p.m. Then Wednesday, we have our righteously redeemed life group meeting at the church, and then they head out to their location. And also Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Ministry happening here at 6.30 p.m., ages uh, infant to 11 years old. Then Thursday, we have our Gang Outreach. Come on, give it up for the Gang Outreach, going out and reaching out to those people who may be going down the wrong path, and we know Jesus has a plan for them. So the Gang Outreach happening at 7 p.m. And then Friday, we have our Adult Bible Studies at the Govea's house and the Walker's house, ages 18 and up. All right, and then Saturday we have our Ambassadors Life group that's for the youth ha- taking place here at the church at 3 p.m. And lastly, Saturday we have our evangelism team, powerful, powerful time of ev- evangelism, going out into the city of Chicago, preaching the gospel. Yesterday they had about 20 people out there. Where, isn't that amazing? They went out, I believe they went out to uh, the Six Corners on Milwaukee, if I'm if I'm not wrong, Um and and it was just beautiful some people got led to the lord people got ministered to words of of wisdom and and prophecy were giving out i mean amazing god meets people on the city and so again god's doing it throughout all these life groups so get connected say get connected All right, and then after you do that, we want to make sure that you get mentors. Somebody wants to teach you about Jesus, the fundamentals, the basics of your faith. And so, elders and deacons in the church will make time to meet with you, to walk with you, and help you grow in your walk with God. After you're done with the one on one class, you go on into the two on one. Say two on one. There's a one on one, and then there's a two on one. And so, this is disciples making disciples. So, we're going to train you up to be a leader because after you're trained up, we're going to send you out. Say, send. We're going to send you out wherever God is calling you to go because he wants you to be a disciple that makes disciples. You're not called to stay, but you're called to go, all right? And we have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Amen. If you believe God is going to do it, come on, say amen. All right, right now we're going to get into our tithes and our offering lesson. If you want to open up, it's on the MPI website. If you want to look. Uh, Back at past lessons, and it's on the giving book. And today we're on lesson six, overcoming bitterness. Ooh, come on! Bitterness is an ugly thing, all right. But it can come into our hearts, and we have to make sure that we do not allow it to stay there. And so, a hindrance in our life can be is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. And so, if if you turn with me to James three fourteen. We're going to read this passage. It says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. So don't flaunt it and say, yes, I'm angry, I'm bitter, and then don't deny it. Don't deny that it's there. You've got to be honest with yourself. And so what is bitter envy? It says here, bitter envy can come into a person's heart when they think God has been unfair to them by blessing others. Bitterness refers to being angry. And envy relates to jealousy. So if you're bitter and your envy means that you are upset because somebody else is being blessed, but not you. And then selfish ambition is anything we do or desire outside of God's plans for our lives. It comes from pride, and it, it, it appears in selfish ambition. Selfishness refers to being self-centered instead of being God-centered. And ambition is our wants and desires. So we don't want bitterness. And we don't want selfish ambition. It says, don't harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition. Make a decision to not allow bitter envy or selfish ambition to dwell in your hearts. And so this is maybe a sin or a hindrance in our lives that it's not outward. You can't really see it from the outside. And somebody can't really point it out in your life. But it is a major hindrance in the life of a believer if we don't address it. And so if you don't know if this is you, you have to check your heart in times of prayer, in times of devotion, and say, God, is that in me? Can I celebrate when somebody else is successful in life? Amen? and, And am I patient in waiting for what you have for me? In my Life. And so in summary, avoid bitterness by being Christ-centered and believing God will provide for you. Amen? And here is the application. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithe, which is 10% of your total income, and offering anything you give after tithes. Number two, repent if you've allowed bitterness to come into your heart and bring envy or selfish ambition. Lastly, number three, ask God to remind you of his precious promises for your life. Amen. Please stand to your feet with me and let's recite this confession over our lives. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances, amen? Anytime time that you give your tithes and your offerings here, the tithe goes to the general fund, pays for the bills, and your offering is anything that you give to God after your tithe. And your offering here it can be designated either to our missions fund or to our building fund. So make sure that you circle on your little envelope where you want that to go, and we'll, des- we'll, we'll put it in the right account. Amen? And so um, if you need help, if you desire to give, on, we have online giving, or you can give with your credit card in the back with my myself so talk to me and I'll help you with that and so let's recite the scripture together Luke 6 38 Jesus said give and it will be given to you for with the measure you use it will be measured to you let's pray Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for every blessing that you've given us. Thank you that we have more that we can ever imagine. Thank you because we're taken care of. And so I pray, dear God, in this room, if any one of us has bitterness or selfish ambition, that you would uproot it, that you would expose it in our lives because we do not want hindrances, Lord, to come between us and what you've commanded us to do. So have your way in the lives of your disciples here in this room. Father, we thank you that, that we can offer, that we can we have something to sow into, the, into this ministry, dear God, because we're know that you're doing amazing things with it so have your way in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen thank you so much and come up as you give
3: And if you love Jesus, can I get an amen? How many had a good Thanksgiving? Can I have an amen here amen? How many ate a lot of good food? Amen. Now, I want you to think about that illustration that I always talk about. When you had that meal, I'm talking after you ate everything that your mom cooked, your grandmother cooked, that you cooked, and you ate it, and you just ate it. After you had that full feeling, if you wanted to, if someone paid you, could they get you to eat something else? Probably not. You are so full that if I would say, here's a pizza or here's McDonald's or here's something else, you'd be like, get that out of my face. I will puke. I have eaten. I have feasted on the best food possible. I am full. I don't have room for anything else. Are you guys listening? The example that I always give is this. If you're so full on God's love, all the good things that he has in your life, you will never want to taste the junk food of this world. You will never want to go out and get that sin, get that pornography, get that addiction because you'll be so full on God's love. He said, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength so did you give your stomach all to your food at Thanksgiving you, did you give your stomach all to your food? I think most of us did. I gave all of my stomach to the food. Now, you know what we need to do? Give all of our heart to Jesus. Isn't that a good example? I did, man. You know, now the thing with me dieting a little bit, I got a little stomach. I got a little stomach. But, you know, I, I had a lot of big meals or a lot of little meals, rather, over that whole day, and I had a great time. My mother-in-law is Greek, and I'm talking, like, when they cook food, it's it's, it's a feast. I mean, there's, like, five of us, and there's, like, so much food for, like, ten days. Does anybody else have relatives like that? It doesn't matter how much, uh, how many people are eating. There's going to be so much food. Is this is going to be crazy. The first time I ever went to my Greek in-laws' house, it was uh, when I wasn't even uh, dating Nancy. It was when I was a youth pastor, and she invited me over with our senior pastor, and I remember that literally happening there, too. It was like her family, that's three of them, and then there was me and the pastor, and that was two of us. That was five, and there was literally enough food to feed ten people. And that's how I got my, uh, my stomach, the way it was. And so then I had to hold back a little bit. Do I, have, I, do I get an amen from my Greek sister right here? Does your Greek family cook like that? Yeah, right on. And hey, let me just give you guys a uh, update on Nancy. Thank you so much for praying for her. Our Thanksgiving was very meaningful uh, this year because we're thankful that our family is alive. We're thankful that Nancy is well. If you haven't been around for a while, my wife got into a car accident with me and the kids uh, last Saturday. So a little bit over a week ago, we were driving home, all six of us. And a car ran a red light and totaled our vehicle and uh, nancy 's leg was broken or rather her ankle was broken in three places and uh, she was uh, you know I needed to go to the emergency room, get some surgery done, which was done last week. They put the pins into the ankle, which are uh, which is enabling the swelling to go down so that her tissue can heal, and that this week she can get the surgery, which is going to be the final surgery, which is uh, Uh, ankle plates on each side so it's pretty bad for an ankle injury it's about as bad as as it gets it's going to be two ankle plates they say it will not be the same but I serve a God that can do supernatural things amen So if you could just pray, there's just a few prayer requests I'd like to ask you to pray for us and our family. Uh, Number one, pray for Nancy, the healing, the tissue to go down, and pray that we'll get favor this week to actually have the surgery because uh, the sooner we get the surgery, the sooner she can have the recovery stage start to begin and start to put pressure on it. And uh, be able to walk again. So I would like that to happen this week. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're going to pray even before I get started here for that. And then uh, just some minor things. You know, pray for uh, God's justice to be done. We had to get a lawyer involved because the person did run the red light and totaled our car and broke my wife's ankle. And so we don't want to be greedy. I'm not going to be wearing some uh, some neck brace coming here today. Oh, my neck hurts. Oh, I'm suing everybody for a million dollars. But uh, there needs to be some compensation because I had to buy basically a bedroom set and put it downstairs in our uh, living room area. We used to have an empty room there now it 's a bedroom set, and of course, I got to replace our van we 're looking into that so if you could just pray for those things, my wife 's recovery number one and the and the um, and just the recovery of some of the goods that got damaged. I would also say pray for the kids, but I think my kids have already received their answer to prayer. I've been asking you for the the week prior to pray that they wouldn't have any trauma, that there would be no nightmares, that there would be uh, no fear of them getting into the car, and I would like to say that prayer's been answered. Amen? They came with me this morning, all three of them. The the youngest had to stay back because I couldn't uh, fit them all in my car, but they're having fun. We're driving. We're safe, and so if you do want to keep praying for that, that's awesome, but I think God answered that prayer, and they know that it's good that uh, God was with us because it could have been a lot worse, amen? So let's pray for my wife. Uh, Lord, we lift up to you, Nancy. She's watching us uh, via live webcast today, Lord, and uh, we just pray for the favor, God, upon her, God, to continue, Lord, that you would bless her in a special and a mighty way, that you would heal her, that you would uh, do something special in the leg, bring down the swelling, let the surgery happen this week, and, uh, Lord, let her begin to recover and uh, be all that she's called to be. And then, Lord, we also just pray that you will uh, take care of all what needs to be done and the things that we're having to spend for uh, this situation. And then, Lord, as I look across this uh, sanctuary, I also see that there are many others that are facing difficulties. Rosie continually uh, healing and going through her journey with the doctors. I pray that you'll be with our our sister, God. And, and Cynthia Rodon can... Uh, uh, testify today about her always battling with lupus, but Lord, you give her the strength. And uh, Andrew's father, Lord, who is battling um, liver problems, and Jerry's brother with cancer, stage 4 cancer, that it's just been developed over the last couple days, and they're in a code red scenario. He's a father and a husband, and uh, Lord, we just need you, and all the other needs that I cannot uh, or don't know or don't have uh, the ability to remember right now, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us. Uh, strengthen us, God. That's why we're here. We believe in you. We believe in your supernatural power. You said you are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are the one who brings us peace. In this world, you said we'll have trouble, but be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. And we believe that today. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. We're going to be uh, continuing our series today on Abide. And the message today is already clean, already clean. Everybody say crispy and clean. Amen and amen. I want you guys to check out what God is saying today. We've heard this passage quite a bit. Are you starting to memorize it a little bit? John chapter 15, verses uh, 1 and onward. Every time you see the word abide, what are you going to do? You're going to shout out the word abide. Thank you. Let's start. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean. That's the message today. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Thank you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you... Come on, somebody. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. Does anybody want to be thrown into God's fire? No, don't think so. And they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my what? Disciples. Any disciples in the house today? Amen. Come on. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I I have also loved you. Abide in my love. It's all about love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Come on, somebody. Let's look at this example. We're looking at what Jesus taught us. He taught us that he is the vine. We are the branches. This is very simple. If you were an agricultural community, if you were around the time of Jesus, you would get it. You would say, man, I understand who I am, Jesus, and I understand who you are, and I know who the Father is. You're that big old vine. I'm that branch coming out bearing fruit, and your Father is the gardener walking through pruning these bad leaves and other things that come out that hinder the fruit from growing. That's pretty simple. How many got that? I think after about a month of us preaching on that, I think we got it, right? This is our fifth week talking about it. How many know you are the branches, Jesus is the vine, the Father is the gardener? Well, today what we're going to be talking about is this beautiful part that Jesus brings out right here, and if you just read through it a lot like I have, you can almost pass over and it and not catch your attention, and that is found right here in verse 3. Look at what he says right here. He says, you are already clean. Think about that in the middle of this beautiful passage of him drawing out this, you know, this parabolic language, this poetic language of us being engrafted into him and bearing fruit and the father watching over our lives and taking care of us. He says right here at the beginning, you are already clean. Now for us to understand this, we have to understand the passage here. This is John chapter 15, and this has come after the Lord's prayer, or rather the Lord's supper in John's gospel. So I want you to see, turn with me to John 13 quickly, because this is a part of a context of the Last Supper. So put it in your mind like this, Jesus has a Last Supper with his disciples, and then he starts teaching them these things. We don't know whether or not it's literally at the table on the way to the garden of Gethsemane or if it was somewhere in between all of that but we do know this the last supper has already taken place and this is one of his last teachings before he goes to the cross john in his gospel keeps one of the most chronologically correct uh, timelines of jesus's life so it's so good for us to go here and see what jesus had already said to them in john 13 about being clean now how many remember the lord's supper everybody remember that And uh, there they took the first communion, which is the idea of where we get our our communion from. They're eating this meal. And he's saying, do this in remembrance of me. But there is a foot washing here that takes place at the Last Supper. And as a matter of fact, the uh, African-American branch of Pentecostalism, the most popular uh, branch called the Church of God in Christ, actually takes foot washing as serious as an ordinance as communion because it's taken out of this same context. Now, our church doesn't think that it's an ordinance foot washing. We believe there's only two ordinances water baptism and communion but I have nothing against the idea of those who honor foot washing we still practice it we just don't consider it an ordinance to be equivalent to baptism and communion but as you look at this you can see Jesus did this important tradition that now is still carried on and some churches take as an ordinance now look here in uh, John chapter 13 starting in verse 3 Jesus knew that the Father had put how many things under his power? All things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knew that. Jesus knew who he was and where he was going, but he knew that he was going to have to suffer for our sins. I think that is the great humility of Jesus. You see, Jesus was in heaven. Jesus was worshiped as a son of God long before this earth was even was created and yet he came down after we after he created man because we sinned and he did this for our redemption but he knew he was going back there now look he gets up from the meal and takes off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist everybody say a towel Thank you. This is where we get the idea. I want a towel and not a title. We don't want to be in the church looking for titles. Oh, this is Pastor so-and-so. This is Bishop so-and-so. This is Pope so-and-so. No, we don't want titles. We want a towel. We want to serve like Jesus. Are you tracking with me? That's a beautiful thing to see here. Jesus doesn't lord over his authority that he knows he has. Matter of fact, he takes off his outer clothing and wraps a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I don't want to be gross here, but I do need to draw out a little bit what feet looked like in that day. If you've ever been to a rural culture, today you'll see a lot of animal dung on the sides of the roads, a lot of dirt and mud. You will see that the roads are not clean. Now, imagine people walking in that with their sandals, their feet exposed, some people walking barefoot. Those kinds of things, the dirt, the mud, the dung, would be all over your feet. And in this culture, the one that would stoop down and actually wash your feet was considered the lowest servant in the house. So if you had a house and you could afford maids and you could afford servants, the one that you consider to be the least qualified, the least important, the one that was the lowest on the totem pole would be the one that would wash the feet. Jesus takes that place because what he is saying is I didn't come to serve, uh, be served, but to serve. He didn't come to Lord over his authority. He came to be our Lord via the permission we would invite him into our heart. He could have made us all bow down. He could have forced us to serve him. He could have made us his slaves. But yet we see here he takes not a title but a towel and he comes and he washes these dirty feet. Peter knows what's going on. It says in verse 6, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You see, Peter gets the understanding like, no, 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 no. You can't do this. If you remember, Peter a while back is the one who confessed that Jesus is Lord, that was the Messiah. The, uh, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they came up with a lot of crazy answers. And then he looked at them and said, but who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Peter had this revelation of who Jesus was. And now he sees Jesus taking the lowest position as a servant. And, G- and Peter's like, man, you can't wash my feet. What are you doing? Now watch this. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And certainly Peter did later understand, but right here he doesn't. In verse 8 he says, no. He actually refuses this from the Lord. He says, no, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Now you see right here we see what's called false humility. False humility sometimes says, I am too humble to let others serve me. I'm too humble to let people help me. And I know that I can struggle with that as a pastor, especially with this situation with my wife. I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to rely upon other people. I don't want to admit that I can't do it. And a lot of times we think that's humility, but that's actually a form of pride. Sometimes the most humble thing you can do is ask for help. Now, obviously, there's another form of pride, which is dependence upon people, never do anything for yourself, you know, and that's prideful too. But a lot of us hardworking people have a problem with asking for help. And at the same time, a lot of us people who are smart in America and know how to use the computer and have been to school, it's hard for us to be teachable. And yet we see here Peter has has fallen into this mistake. He's now thinking he's doing Jesus a favor by saying, don't wash my dirty, stinky feet. Jesus, you shouldn't do this. Now watch what Jesus says back to him. Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Now you're going to start to see that this literal foot washing thing that they did in the culture as a normal habit is now going to have a spiritual meaning. Now it's not just about getting the dirt out of your feet. There's something spiritual happening here. There is something about Jesus that only Jesus can do in our lives. There's something that only Jesus can do. And we have to be humble enough to know we can't do it ourselves. And we're going to start to see where this goes, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. But look at Peter. Now he gets excited. He says, okay, well, If it's all or nothing, and and if you don't wash my feet, and I don't, you know, if you unless I let you wash my feet, you'll have no part with me. Well, then uh, Peter says, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Give me a bath, Jesus. Just give me a bubble bath right here. If this is what I need to do to be saved, let's go all the way. Now, remember what we talked about in John 15. This comes after. John 15 comes afterward. But look at this in John thirteen ten. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And so now we see this concept that Jesus carries on into John 13. 15, that we see him talking about, like I said, either at the last supper table or on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, he says this again to them, you are already clean. And so when we put it together, we get an understanding of what God is teaching through the Gospel of John about being clean. The first thing that we see is that when we come to Christ, we are bathed and washed clean by the Holy Spirit, and that we now stand righteous before him. You see, when you were born again, you were made clean in the eyes of God. There was no sin left on you. There was no mark of Adam's sin and curse left on you or me. God considers us what? Clean. But yet we see in that passage of the Last Supper as well as there in John 15 that there's something that happens ongoing in the believer's life. Jesus told Peter, it's like getting your feet washed. Your body is clean. You don't need a bath, but sometimes you need your feet washed. Does everybody, does everybody remember that? We read that. And then in the passage we also read today in John 15, it says that at times the Father has to prune you. So yes, you are clean, you are righteous and holy, but sometimes you can step in some doo-doo. Sometimes you can do some things that you should not do. And God has to clip it out of your life, wash it out of your feet. And so here we see not a contradiction, but a complementary understanding of salvation and sanctification. Now, when I asked my wife, How deep should I go in these messages? she said, Joe, you've been going deep in all these other messages. Keep it on the surface for the people to be encouraged. So I'm not going to get so deep, but I will tell you that we did a whole sermon series on your identity in Christ, and I talked about sanctification in depth, and I wanted you to understand it. So I would say, Go back and do that, but I'm going to follow my wife's advice because I I feel the Lord in this, and I'm going to preach an encouraging message to you where we don't have to get weighed down in a lot of theology. But let me say it like this in summary. You are saved and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You are righteous in the blood of by the blood of Jesus. You are holy. You do not need to think of yourself if you are saved as a sinner any longer. But yet, as a Christian, you still can make mistakes. That is real. You still can walk into things you should not do. But that does not define you. That does not make you a different person. Just because I have my son, and his name is Wyrostek, and just because he Lucas Wyrostek does something wrong, that doesn't mean he's no longer my son. He's still Lucas Wyrostek are you tracking with me? Now let me say just these few things because I couldn't help but getting deep just a smidge in here and then I'll get back to preaching a little bit. But I want to clear up now these understand uh, misunderstandings that happen in the Christian's life. Now, I'm going to be picking on some of your Facebook posts uh, in one way or another here today because I know I see these around Facebook all the time. and that is an understanding. That somehow we are always in Christ in this unending sanctification process. And the word sanctification... Just simply means to be made holy. Now the Bible says I was made holy the day I was saved; that I don't need it to continue on. But a lot of what I see on Facebook and a lot of what I see uh, people talking about in the church is this idea that Christians uh, they start out dirty and that God is going to cleanse them little by little as they go through the rest of their life. And this idea comes out in uh, different Facebook posts that I'll see, like you know, God's still working on me; I'm not perfect yet, and these these kinds of things. And the illustrations that I want to give you to help you see it, uh, the first one I'd like to give you is this idea that somehow we are in the water plant treatment of God, that we're uh, being recycled over and over in God's water uh, plant so that we can become clean. And I want you to see this water plant treatment, and I want you to ask yourself, uh, let me see if I can get this to scroll here. Is this how God said you were to be? I don't know. I don't have it on this version. I, I uh, updated it in my office. So, anyways, let me just put this in here: a water plant treatment. How many have ever seen how they recycle and clean water? Anybody ever seen those? No, two of you. Okay, this is why I'm going to show you the picture. So, I'm going to show you this cute little picture right here. I want you to think about this. Is this what Jesus said to you? When you came to Christ, did Jesus say, you are now in my water plant treatment, and I will be treating you the rest of your life? Is that what what the Bible says? I will be cleaning you. You'll be dirty. I'll be cleaning you. You'll be dirty. I'll be cleaning you for the rest of your life. Is that what he said? No, he didn't say that you would be going through the water plant treatment. How about this other example? This is the one I like to, to use as well. Did Jesus say that you being cleansed would be like a progress bar? How many ever download a program or something from the Internet and you see that progress bar? Did Jesus say that it would be like this progress bar right here? Well, the day I got saved, uh, Adam, can you move this, please? The day I got saved, I was only 1% pure. I was a dirty, filthy sinner. Now I've been saved for 20 years, and I'm 60% pure. Is that what he said he was going to do in our lives? He, did he say, you're already 60% clean, and I'm going to keep working on the other 40% of you? Is that what he said? Now, is Ishmael the 60% and I'm the 80%? <laughs> I got to stop messing with him because some of y'all don't know him yet, but I really love Ishmael. So, so now do we compare each other as Christians? Oh, man, you messed up. You only 60% pure. Oh, but I go to church all the time. I read my Bible all the time. I'm such a goody-two-shoe. I'm 80% pure. Is that, is that what he said? Is that what he said it would look like? No, he didn't. How about this one, which I see on Facebook all the time? Did he say, well, the rest of your life, I'm going to be chiseling all the junk out of you, and for the rest of your life, chisel, 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 chisel on you, my little sinner. I'm just going to keep chiseling on you. Hello. Is that what he said? Did he say, you're about 50% clean. We haven't got to your arms or legs or feet yet. Haven't got to your hips. Come on, watch the way you dance. You, your hips haven't been redeemed yet, people. I'm going to redeem those hips. I'm chiseling them out. You know, is that the way God said it would be done? No. You know, there's this poem right here. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not saying this. I want to read this to you. Because, you know, to me, I feel like these are the things I see on Facebook, you know, and these are the kinds of things that people get all excited about, you know. I'm still a sinner and Jesus loves me. Isn't that awesome? No, that's not awesome to think of yourself that way because that's not what Jesus said. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not shouting I have been saved. Why not? Why aren't you shouting I've been saved? You should be. What's wrong with you? I don't know you all can't see this. You'll shout better now. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not shouting I've been saved. You better shout you've been saved. What, what are you? Are you still lost? Well, listen, I'm whispering I get lost. Well, what's wrong with you? I get lost. Well, stop getting lost. That's why I choose this way. Yeah, you chose this way because you were lost, jacked up sinner. But now you're saved. Somebody shout out I'm saved. Come on, somebody say I'm saved. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't speak with human pride. I'm confessing that I stumble, needing God to be my guide. Okay, good for you. I get that. We all make mistakes sometimes. Okay, but the point is, I'm not using that as an excuse. When I say I'm a uh, when, when I say I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak, and I pray for strength to carry on. Okay, but when do you say I'm strong then? Because the Bible says in your weakness you become strong. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I don't want none of this pity patty stuff. Oh my gosh, Lord help me. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are too visible. But God believes I'm worth it. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said Oh Lord, help me! I'll start to preach uh, all, all against K Love right now because I'm tired of hearing these songs that K Love talking about how jacked up we are as Christians. It's like a country song. It's like a version of a country song. You know, you're in sin. You're busted in discussion. When does Jesus come in and change our lives? We are not in this continual process. We are not always jacked up. We are not that dirty little sinner that God is working on every day. Look at what Jesus said. Come on, say, what did he say? Let's look at what Jesus said. He said, you are already clean. That's who you are. You are already clean. When you believe what Jesus did, you will believe to do what Jesus says you can do. Because if you keep looking at yourself on this progress bar, you'll keep making the excuse, well, I'm not ready yet to be holy. I'm not quite ready yet. I'm only 60% of the way there. The Lord knows I still need to shack up with this woman. The Lord knows I still need to get drunk sometimes. The Lord knows I need to slap my neighbor sometimes. The Lord knows I need to steal sometimes. Hello. Well, this sounds silly, doesn't it? Lord knows I need to murder sometimes. Well, If it don't work for murder, it don't work for you. Now, you got a question. I got a question for you because you got, you got to decide this. Do you want to be in sin? Now, some of you like this because you want to be in sin. Well, I like my sin. Don't tell me I got to stop sinning. Don't tell me Jesus is going to change me because I want to stay just the way. I, well, let's stop pretending you're a Christian then. Call yourself something else, right? Call yourself a Buddhist, a Hindu, or whatever you want to call yourself. But if you're going to call yourself a Christian, let's start by talking like Jesus, you need to start believing I am saved, I am clean, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, y'all need to get excited today. How many believe the Bible? Does anybody here believe the Bible? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I want to just not preach it at you. I want to show it to you. Amen. Look at what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Go there quickly with me. I've got some scriptures I want to share with you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Y'all have heard this here before if you've been a part of the different series, but I just got to encourage you a little bit. Be a progress bar for Jesus. Is that what it says? Be half dirty and half clean for little old Jesus. Do your best. Ain't nobody perfect. What does it say? Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, you may say to me, well, pastor, I'm a sinner. Well, that's why you need to get saved, sinner, and you need to become a saint. Well, how do I do that? Let Jesus save you. Let Jesus clean you. He will clean you. He knows how to get in your ears and clean you. He knows how to make you perfectly clean. Now, is he a perfect Savior or not? Does he save you halfway? Hello, somebody. I mean, come on, what if you were drowning in a sewage dump, you know what I'm saying, just a dump in sewage, and I came cleaned half of you, and the other half of you just stank, and I brought you to church and said, look, I saved them, I cleaned them. They would say, look, Dodo, he's still got, look, Dumdum, he he's still got dirt all over him. Do you think Jesus is saying that to us? Do you think Jesus is playing make-believe with us? I'm about ready to preach myself happy right here. Is Jesus is Jesus going look angels look here's somebody I saved here look at them saved and the angels are like what's wrong with them? They look like a they look like a they look like something from Peter Pan half beast, half man I'm, a ha- I'm whatever they call that. what do they call that thing that's half horse? Yes you know I'm putting that thing up right now. How do you spell scent? Tar. see somebody help me spell. Yeah, I don't even know. We'll see. Do I get some love with misspelling here? Look at this. Well, look at my beautiful creation. Look at angels. Look what I made. Half sinner, half saint. There it is. Angels looking at that centaur. <laughs> what is wrong with you, Jesus? When did this start going on? When did you start working like that? Is that, is that our Bible? Now, I'm going to get to how this practically looks in, the, you know, in your life, but I just want to know, do you believe you are already clean? Do Christians believe I'm already clean? Jesus did the work, and I am clean. Can I hear an amen? Let's go to another one of these great scriptures. We uh, looked at Matthew. Uh, let's go now to uh, 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2. No, 2 Peter chapter 1, I believe. And let's see if we can see something else here in the Word. Look at, look at this. 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at what it says here. How many love Jesus today? Amen. I'm having fun. 2 Peter chapter 1. Somewhere in this Bible, it's going to say it. Here we go. Look at this. Starting in verse 4. Through these, he, talking about Jesus, has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. What are you supposed to be participating in right now? The divine nature. And the participation is a dance with God. Having escaped the corruption in the world. Does this centaur-looking thing look like it's escaped the corruption of the world? I've escaped the corruption of the world. No, you haven't. It looks like it's all over you. Hello, let's read the Bible. How many believe the Bible? Okay. That you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Have you escaped it? Yes or no? Am I clean in Jesus? Yes or no? Is this you? Is this you? This is not you. This is some statue that represents bad theology. Now, let me get you another scripture. Somebody say, preach it. Let me get you one more just to help you out here. Go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 just to get excited. If you're excited, can I hear you say amen? amen? I'm just happy you're in church today. No centaurs here. For it is written, for it is written, be a centaur because I am a centaur. Is that what it says? Now, do you understand how this now not only has a problem with you putting down your own image, self-hatred towards yourself, but this also has a problem towards the image of God, how you see God? God says you're like him. Be perfect, for I am perfect. Now he says be holy, for I am holy. So if God is holy, how are you supposed to look on the inside? Who are you supposed to be? How does God save you? He makes you holy. Is God a centaur? No, see, a yin and a yang, part evil, part good. Is that our God? Hello, let's be real now. Let's get serious. Is our God yin and yang? There's a little evil in God. Can't always trust him. He may flip gravity upside down tomorrow, have you hang him from your feet upside down, right? Can't trust God. Got a little evil in God. He's good sometimes, but he can be evil other times. Don't know what day he's going to, you know, how he's going to wake up today. Is that true? No, God is not centaur. God is perfectly holy. God is perfectly perfect he is all good all powerful and so that's the same way he says in my nature as I am perfect as I am holy that's how I make you now I'm going to make this applicable in just a moment but I want to just expose these two errors so the first one is uh you know pastor we yeah Jesus said we're already clean but he still has to keep cleaning on us because we're still not really clean it was just it was just an, you know just a metaphysical word but it wasn't really real in reality no that's not true this is real in reality we're clean Now, the other way about it is, oh, yeah, we're clean. That's right. We're clean, and we can't ever lose our cleanliness, our cleanliness, and I can do whatever I want. I can steal money from the church. I can lie. I can steal. You know why? Because Jesus loves me. I'm going to heaven. I'm clean. He always said I'm clean. I'm going to always be clean. I can never sin my way out of this. See, do you see the two lies right there? One says you're never clean, and the other one says you can be clean and live how you want, because Jesus loves you. We call that once saved, always saved. Do you think that's true? Well, let's go back to John 15, 6 in the same passage. What does Jesus say to people who do not want to do what he says? He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, there's a group of people that say Christians cannot stop being Christians. That once you're a Christian, you're always saved. Let me ask you a question. Are non-Christians engrafted into the vine? Does it say the whole world is in the vine of God? No, only you, my disciples he's speaking to, are in the vine. So if I'm in the vine and I can be cast out, gathered, and burned, that means I can lose what I once had. Hello? Hello? He doesn't say he takes the, the chaff over here, which was never, uh, well, chaff is a part of wheat, but, you know, uh, he doesn't use an example that says it's not connected. The example he gives us is one that is connected. Look at it again. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. At the beginning, he said, verse 5, you are the branches. So this is not. Let me give the example that he said in Matthew twenty-five. Here I got it. Now sheep and goats. Sheep's are always sheep. Goats are always goats. Right? That's 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 a parable he tells. But this one says that you can go from being a branch and grafted in to being a branch cut out, thrown into the fire. Do you get that? That's something you got to take very serious. Now let's look at the Bible. Let's look at also what it says because uh, Paul uses the same illustration in Romans chapter eleven. Let's go to Romans chapter eleven, verse twenty-two. As some of you are getting scared a little bit, and that's all right. Fear the Lord, amen? The fear of the Lord will keep you from evil. And what is the fear of the Lord? Fearing what he'll do to you if you stop abiding in him. You should understand, if I stop messing with Jesus, if I stop living right for Jesus, I will be cut off. Look at what it says, Romans eleven twenty two. The Jewish people got cut off because of their unbelief. Remember, they were part of the reason that Jesus was crucified. Paul is talking about them and Gentiles. He says, Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Everybody say the kindness. Everybody say the sternness. Thank you. Consider the kindness and sternness of God. He is altogether loving. He's altogether holy. Do you get that? He's not one or the other. He's both. He's both kind and he's both stern. He's holy and he's loving. Consider, let's all consider the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you, MPI, me, Pastor Joe, also will be cut off. Hello. There are two errors that you have to avoid when you're thinking about being clean. Number one. The first error is that you're never truly clean and that God is always dealing with you. Get that stinking thinking out of your mind. And then the other one is that somehow now that you are clean, you are righteous with God. It doesn't matter what you do. He will never cut you off. Those are two lies. You will get cut off if you continue in your sin. How many want to see how it makes sense? Go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, and I'll share it with you, and then I'll get to preaching. How many want to hear the message today? You all came to hear the message. What is this right now? Just the introduction, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the intro, baby. Just the intro, just the intro, <laughs> yeah. Come on, pastor, bring in. See, to it, brothers and sisters, can anybody be a brother and sister in Christ unless they're born again? No, so who is he talking to, sinners or saints right here? Read the whole book of Hebrews. I did a whole paper on it. Every warning is to Christians. These are not to non-Christians. This is a book written to Christians. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So all of my Calvinist friends who think they cannot lose their salvation, how can a branch be cut off unless it's truly a branch? You had to be a branch to be cut off. How can a sinner already have a, uh, get a hard heart when he's already had a hard heart? This is speaking to those who have pure hearts, believing hearts. And it says, now don't you turn from a good heart and have a sinful, unbelieving heart and turn away from God. See, sinners are already turned away from God. They're not engrafted into the vine of God. Hello, they're already going to hell. This is speaking to Christians. Be careful that you consider the sternness and kindness of God because you can get cut off. Talking to those already in, you can get cut off. And brothers and sisters, don't you let a sinful heart come in and an unbelieving heart turn you from God. Hello, somebody. But encourage one another daily. Am I encouraging you today? Now find somebody to encourage you tomorrow, amen? How about my Facebook post? I got everyday devotions coming out. I'm doing my best to encourage you. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Once again, speaking to those who think you can't lose your salvation. Aren't sinners' hearts already hardened? How can a sinner's heart get more hardened? It's already hardened. This is speaking to the one that now has a soft heart. Read it in Ezekiel. I'll take out your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. He's now saying to those with a new heart, a heart of flesh, you better be careful, you better encourage each other so that this heart does not become sinful and be hardened. And now I have to share it with you in summary. When you look at these two heirs, they're both dealing with the same issue, and that is who Christ is and who we are. In this issue up here, Christ is not truly the deliverer. He's a partial savior. He's not good at the job he says he can do. He's kind of that person that you pay to remodel your house. They jack it up and leave and take all your money. This does not show us who Jesus really is. Once saved, always saved doesn't teach us who Jesus is either. This makes it look like God is somehow aloof from our life and that he doesn't hold us responsible for what we do. You see, that's a problem with who Jesus is. Secondarily, it's a problem with who God says we are. The idea of unending change, the unending cleansiness does not look at who Jesus says you are. The identity is you are clean, you are righteous, you are holy. It gives you a bad Christ image. Notice I didn't just say self-image, but Christ image of who you are. And the one saved always saves gives you a false sense of security that you now are in charge and you can tell God who he should accept into his house based on your terms. And if you want to act crazy and you said a sinner's prayer, he ought to let you in because you said that sinner's prayer. Neither one of these are true. What the Bible teaches us as we look to this passage, and then I'll preach the message I have to preach to you here. What the Bible teaches us, just looking at John 15, I don't have to bounce around the Bible here. I'll just start right here in John 15, is what it's teaching us is that when we put our faith in Christ, we become engrafted into his vine, and we are made clean, period. Period. At that point, we may make mistakes and sin, and God the gardener, the Father, will come and deal with our sins as a gardener prunes. If we do not let him prune us, or in the John 13 illustration, wash our feet from our daily sins, Hebrew says we will then have a heart deceived by sin, and it will become hard, resulting in unbelief, as Paul also said in Romans, that will lead to us being cut off. So if somebody says, well, pastor, that sounds a little fishy. What sin do I do to get cut off? It isn't a sin that cuts me off. It's my unbelieving heart. But sin affects the heart towards unbelief. So any sin left unrepented as the Lord is dealing with it, any sin that I allow to grow up and not let the Father prune or the feet to be washed will defile my heart and make it hard. The root of bitterness defiles many, the Bible says. It comes in. And it takes the Christian heart and turns them away from God and turns them towards their hurt. God keeps saying, give it to me. They don't give it to God. And then their heart becomes hard towards unbelief and says, I no longer trust God. The sin of adultery and sexual sin can do the same thing. God says, this is what I created you for. This is what I purposed you for. You continue in your sexual sin. You do not repent. Then your heart becomes hard. The unbelief is what leads to you getting cut off and thrown into the fire. Would you like to see that in the Bible and not just hear my summary? How many would like to read it in the Bible? Once again, how many love the Bible? Okay, can I hear a better amen? How many love the Bible? Amen. amen. Let's look to the Bible, Hebrews 10:26 and then we'll get to the message. I had to say all that, but I wanted to get you the good stuff first. My wife said don't get too deep and I think y'all probably wish I didn't get as deep as that. Or how many enjoyed that? How many Okay, amen. That's about as deep as I'm getting today, saints, but let's look at it. Here it is in summary, not my words, the words of the Bible. If we, talking about Christians, if we, us, deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, This received word is the same word found throughout all of the Gospels and the book of Acts synonymous with them receiving the word and being saved. Receiving the good seed planted in their heart, bringing forth fruit. The word received here is synonymous with being saved. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You will be considered an enemy of God if you keep on sinning. Now, let me summarize it one more time. Can I do it one more time? Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. How many want to keep on sinning? How many want to keep living holy for Jesus? Amen. What do you do if you sin? You do what? Repent. Get right with God. Any unleft Repented sin can harden your heart. Jesus says you're already clean. Stay that way. Believe it. If you were to sin, say, Jesus, prune me. Wash my feet. Keep me clean, Jesus. That's the fear of the Lord. Amen? The other way says you're never clean. No, I don't believe that. I believe I'm clean. And that's why I'm going to stay clean. It's like a perfect water bottle that's been made pure, and you get a little dirt in there. I'm going to get that dirt right out to remain clean. I'm going to remain clean. I'm not going to keep doing things to be clean. I'm going to remain clean. Think of it that way. I'm not a dirty cup always trying to be clean. I'm a clean cup always remaining clean. That's why the Bible says walk worthy of your calling. That's why the Bible is saying stand and fight. That's what you're doing. You're standing in your identity. You're standing against evil saying this is who I am. This is what God said I can do and I will do it. Amen. Here's another summary. First John chapter 2 verse 1. My dear children talking to us. I write this to you so that you will not what? You will not sin. So sin should not be a part of your life. But if anybody does sin, any one of us here Christians do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one, who is not only who is our atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. And in that prior verse right here, He says that if um, we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins all the time, every time. Now watch this. Look at this word again here, purify. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and what? Purify us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So if you were to look up at this uh, bad example and you were to say, what does it look like? And, you know, if I had time to make a little... um, you know, a little PowerPoint thing here. This image would be absolutely all glass, new creation, right? But the dirtiness, as we saw in the illustration of Jesus at the Last Supper, the sin that we commit would be our feet getting dirty. Are you with me? And it would look dirty. Our feet would look dirty. But then what, is, what do we do? We repent, and then we are what? We are purified from all unrighteousness. So what is our default position? Is it always half evil, half pure, or should our default position always be pure, holy, perfect, righteous in Christ? Do you understand the illustration? Going back to the other one, because I'm Polish and i got to say it two or three times. Going back to this illustration, did he just make fun of his own people? Yes, I did. I made fun of my own people. That branch has a bad leaf. The default position of this branch is to get rid of that leaf and have all pure leaves, clean leaves. It's not to live with that dirty leaf. Do you understand that illustration? Jesus gave us two to look at. One is the branch being pruned. The other one is the feet being clean. How many know who you are now? This is what you got to believe. I am who God said I am, and I can do what he said I can do. Now, how many are ready for the message? Can I hear an Amen. The message may be a little bit short because I know i got to get going, but I want you to hear this and listen and see if it encourages you today. 1 John 3, 7, we're learning from John today. We learned from his Gospels. Now I want you to hear this and put it into practice. Put your purity into practice. Guard your heart, as the book of Proverbs says. Guard your heart, for from it comes the wellspring of life. Amen. Listen to this out of the message version. It's a very casual, modern-day version. Listen to this. So, my dear children, don't let anyone divert you from the truth. It's the person who acts right who is right, just as we see it lived out in our righteous Messiah. Those who make a practice of sin are straight from the devil the pioneer in the practice of sin. The Son of God entered the scene to abolish the devil's ways. People conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, abiding in them, making them who they are. It's not in the nature of the God-begotten Jesus to practice and parade sin. Here's how you tell the difference between God's children and the devil's children. The one who won't practice righteous ways isn't from God, nor is the one who won't love their brother or sister a simple test. Now look at your life. Are you charading sin and parading it around today? Or are you living holy as Christ asked you to live holy? When you sin, do you feel a sense of conviction? Do you feel something in your heart that tells you it's wrong? Am I I talking the truth here? How many of you got saved? How many know after you got saved, sin didn't feel the same anymore? How many know your mindset towards sin changed? No one told me to stop cussing, but I knew that cussing was wrong. I knew that lust was wrong, but no one told me how my lust was wrong because of how I used my imagination. But God started to speak those things to me. And why was he doing it? Was he doing it in a way like trying to make me prove my love for him? No, he was doing it because he had already cleansed me and he wanted me to stay clean. Look at what's going on in your life today. Look at the problems that you face is it that God is in an arm wrestling match? Can I show you another one, another picture that I hate? How many want to see another one that I hate? Right here. Is this Jesus today? Jesus arm wrestling the devil? Is he wrestling the devil in your life today? Or is the devil already defeated? You see, this is how some people look at their Christian walk right here it's Jesus and the devil. And then, you know, it's like almost like a, uh, like a wrestling match, you know. It's like, here comes Jesus. Jesus comes on down. Rah! I'm going to snap your neck, devil. I'm going to give you a back-breaking, you know, power drive. And the devil's like, no, I'm going to do this. Is that how some of you think of your life? Like it's some WWF wrestling match between God and the devil? I don't know who's going to win today, Pastor. You come in here all messed up, black and blue. Oh, the devil got me. He's messing with me. You come in the next day. You're happy. Oh, Jesus won the battle. I hate this picture. I hate this picture. I wish I could take this picture and set it on fire. (laughs) Because you know what this is supposed to look like? It is supposed to look like Jesus stepping on the head of a serpent. The devil's defeated. That's what this passage is teaching us. The devil has already been defeated. There is no more uh, war to be waged. You have been saved. You have been changed. Look at what it says in this verse. The devil, the pioneer, he's the one that has, he's the pioneer of the practice of sin. The son of God entered the scene to abolish, to totally destroy the devil's ways. (laughs) Excuse me, in the version that I learned this verse in, Is it says, the devil has been sinning from the beginning, but for this reason the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Has the devil been working on you? Has the devil been doing his temptation in your life? Do you feel defeated underneath his power? That's not the way it's meant to be. You're living outside of Christ's plan for your life. See, what I want us to get today from this message is not so much five other points. This is what my wife and I were discussing. I want you to get the application of it. I don't want you just to amend me and say, Pastor, I get it. Okay, that's good theology. I'm clean. I'm holy. Yeah, I'm not supposed to practice sin. No, but I want you to believe it in your heart today. I want to believe it with you. I want us to look at our lives and be honest and say, Do I compromise and make excuses for it? Because that's what people do outside of this world, outside of this church in this world. They make excuses for their sin. That's what your boss is going to say. Oops, we lost your bonus. Sorry, lost your bonus, you know. He's not going to tell you that, that that he stole from the company. He's not going to tell you that he's lying to you. You know, I used to watch this show called How to Catch a Predator. Did Anybody ever see that? It was old school. And they would talk about how to catch these, uh, these child molesters, these people who do filthy things. And what they would do is have like a grown man pretend they were a young girl on a computer, you know, and then say, oh, hey, big handsome fella, you know, come on over here, you know. And this girl's like 13 years old, you know, this is nasty, but... They, they, they made them, they, and I got to be a little bit graphic here, but they made the person really be clear about their intention. So they would say, well, come meet me at my house, you know, come meet me at my house. And then to be clear, they would say, and bring, you know, like purple condoms, bring, bring this kind of a thing, you know, so that when the person would come in with the bag, there would, there would be absolutely no doubt what their intention was. They were setting them up. Are you listening to me? Just keep following me here. And so they, they also set up a Dateline camera, you know, show, uh, whatever, TV show to get this, and the police were outside. And when that guy would come in with his bag, with his, de- his bag of dirty sex toys and whatever, he would come in looking for that 13-year-old girl, and he would pop out that newscaster. And he would say, hello, what can I do for you? And listen to me, friends, this is when it gets real. You can see the lying heart of man. Because right at that moment, that man would start lying through his teeth. Oh, excuse me, sir. Oh, are you the father? Are you whatever? You know, I just, I just came here to teach your daughter about safe sex practices. I, I, I'm not coming here to do anything wrong. And then they would ask the man, what do you have in the bag? What do you have in that bag? And then it would be the exact things, the whipped cream, the whatever disgusting things this man would bring. And on that was the evidence that would convict him and say, you are a pervert. This is why you came here. And I began to think to myself, I wonder how many in this church and on the streets, how many people I talk to, and they want to say, oh, pastor, I'm living for Jesus. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I pray and read my Bible. But God knows the truth. God knows what you're really doing. He knows who you really are. And you're one of those branches either already cut off, about ready to be thrown into the fire, or you're this close to being cut off and your heart becoming hard. And I want to say to you today, God knows the human heart. Don't make excuses with God. Don't say to God that my sin is greater than your cross. I had a friend teach me this a long time ago. It was actually not a friend. Uh, rather, it was a, um, it was a pastor. And uh, I was listening to him preach. And he was talking about, you know, being older and still having to deal with lust and keeping his heart on Jesus. And this is what he said. He said that any time... As he got older and started, you know, was serving God, he said that any time he started to lust, he started to put his heart on Jesus and say, can I do this in front of him now? Can I look at this pornography now? This older man began to teach me how he was living pure. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge every person here, young and old, that when you think about sinning, when you think about living a life of compromise, sin is evil. Sin is not just a fun thing that God says don't do. It's not like there's a bunch of like helium balloons in the closet and God doesn't want us to all huff down the helium because it's, 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 it's bad. You know, he just doesn't like it. No, he doesn't want us to do the helium because it hurts our lungs. It's not like God is saying, oh, don't just have sex because it's fun and just don't do it. No, he doesn't want us to have sex because it hurts our soul. Do you understand? And so when you're about ready to sin, I want you to listen to what that preacher said. Look to Jesus. Can you do that in front of Jesus? Husbands, can you talk to your wife like that in front of Jesus? Because that's what your sin cost. And then the people that don't take Jesus serious, all just sin and go to him. He loves me just the way I am. You're telling me you're going to use Jesus to sin? That's what you see there. You see a get-me-out-of-jail-free card. That's what you see. You, my friend, are sick in the heart. If you don't hate your sin and you see a way, when you look at this, I get to keep sinning because he died for me. You are sick in your heart. And the Bible says through Paul, God forbid, God have mercy on you, that you think your sinning is giving him glory. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. All of our sins, not just yours, my sin, the Pope's sin. No one gets out of this without admitting they need a Savior. And how do we live holy? We look to that Savior. Another example that I want you to see is I want you to see pure water in your heart today as we get ready to close. Can I get uh, someone on the keyboard, not the guitar, on the keyboard, please? Thank you, gentlemen. I know there's a couple of you here. I want you to think about your life as this pure water. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Why aren't you going to let me do that? should let me do that. All these images here. I want to give you an illustration that I think will set in your heart. I want, us you to, I want you to see your soul like this water. How much sin do you want in your soul? Because that's what you're serving Jesus today. That's what you give Jesus. That's what you give Jesus. You're giving Jesus your life today. You're giving Jesus your heart today. Don't we say that? We give Jesus our heart. I give you my life. Do you think I want my anger towards my wife in that in that cup I serve Jesus today? I don't want sin in my life. Because my life is all I have to give to Jesus. We have the Christmas holiday, you know, coming up soon. And there's that popular song about the drummer boy. Has anybody ever heard that? You know, I'll play my drum for him. Do you know that that just was a silly song to me? I don't even, just it's silly. I actually wanted Lawrence to do that in our church uh, for the uh, the talent show, I wanted Lawrence to dress up kind of like in a German outfit, like these old German, like with tights on, and a in a green little hat, like um, like let me just see German yodeler, yeah, like leaderhosen and all of this. Like I wanted, like I wanted Lawrence to dress up like this, and I wanted him to have a drum. And I wanted him to play this drum for Jesus and just be funny. Like, it was silly. I don't know what was wrong with me. Maybe Jesus needs to snip that out as well. But I, I don't know. I think Jesus laughs at that too. But anyways, you know, that, that's what I wanted. But I heard this story about the drummer boy that blew my mind. I didn't understand this. And maybe some of you have heard it, so bear with me as I tell the rest. But you see, in the Revolutionary War and the Civil War, Most of the fighting soldiers out there were kids, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, fighting, dying. And there would be these little boys who would say, am I strong enough to fight? Am I strong enough to go to war? And they would say, no, but if you have courage, you can play the drum. And what that drummer boy would do on the battlefield is hear the commands of the general And then he would drum the orders. Now in the time of drummer boys and when they would fight as gentlemen, they weren't supposed to shoot the drummer boy. But as time went on and battles would get vicious, they would say, take out that drummer boy. Just like we see in the inner city. Take out that 9-year-old. He's going to rat on us. Kill him in an alley. They would say, kill that 9-year-old kid playing the drum right there. And you could just see the courage of that young boy standing in that battlefield just playing that drum. But now watch this. Here comes the song. I ain't got much, Jesus. I'm not big and strong like the rest of these. But I have a drum and I'll stand here and I'll play it for you. And I'll give you everything I have. See, as you look at this pure water here, see, that's what God is saying. I have cleansed you. God is saying, I know you were dirty. I know you couldn't do this on your own. He says, I know you had all these mistakes. I know that you have these problems. But I'm stronger. I'm bigger. I'm more powerful. I can clean you. whiter than snow, the Bible says. Think about that. whiter than snow. Wider than snow. He says, I clean you for me to be my son, to be my daughter. And now imagine us saying back to him, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. That means I can do whatever I want now. No. Oh, I'm your son or your daughter. I'm just so dirty. I'm so bad. No, that's not who you are either. He wants us to say, God, thank you for cleansing me. I'm going to walk in your ways now. I'm going to walk in purity now. And if anything gets in that, I'm repenting. I'm not hiding it. I'm not making excuses. I'm asking you to change me. Can you hear one more scripture before we leave out of here today? Just one more before we leave. Psalms 51 is how a Christian should sound when they truly want to repent before God. And they know that that's not who God made them to be. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Psalms 51 According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. So if anybody here has dirt in that water, you cry out to God today and say, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, because you love me so much. According to your great compassion, blot it out. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. That's how we pray. That's how we come to Jesus. So before we dismiss, would everybody just close their eyes in an attitude of prayer, not for a preacher, but because of God Almighty's word today. If you need to confess sin as a Christian, would you do so right now? Come on, just say, Jesus, as David said, have mercy on me, cleanse me, wash me, change me. Blot it out, God. Blot it out, Lord. Remove all impurity from me. No excuses. Not one excuse today, God. Purify my heart, oh God. Make it clean today, God. Restore to me the purity that you gave me the day I was saved. Let's take some time right now, church. Let's not just rush through this message. Altar workers, would you come? Band, would you come? We'll have some prayer time in just a moment with others. But right now, would you concentrate? Look at your heart. Be introspective. Is there any sin, Christian, that you're making an excuse for? Would you ask the Lord to change you now? Blot it out now. Wash it out now. Who's stronger, God or your sin? Come on. Who's stronger today, God or the devil? God or your flesh? What is the Lord of your life or who is the Master and Savior of your soul? Wash us, Lord. Wash us, Lord. Wash me, Jesus. All of us should walk out of here saying, I'm holy as the Lord is holy because he has washed me and made me clean. All of us should walk out of here saying, I am perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. All of us can walk out of here saying, I am righteous because he is righteous. I am forgiven because of what he did. few more moments. For Christians, Jesus is here. He sees you. He knows you. And he says, will you give it to me? Don't let your heart become hard, friend. Don't let today pass you by. I'm, try- I'm telling you, I know in a service like this, there's enough people to make you feel embarrassed. But don't you let the devil embarrass you. Don't let your flesh embarrass you. You pray right now, saint. You pray. You talk to God. He's so awesome. He hung on a a cross naked for you, for all to see. Don't be ashamed of him now. God loves us. He loves us. That's why he wants us pure. few more moments. How much dirt you want to leave on your kid today? How much? How much dirt you want to leave there? How much disease would you leave in a child today? Come on. How much pain would you leave in your child today? That's what God is saying to you. I want all of it. He says, I want to take it all. None left. You are already clean. All of it today. All of it. Let Him wash you. Let Him cleanse you. All of it. Every hidden thing. Every embarrassing thing. Everything you couldn't even tell at a testimony service. Everything you've hidden from others. Everything you've put in deep down in your heart and don't want to talk about. Get right with God. And be pure. And let God use your life now. Let Him use you. And when you feel that sin come, what do we pray? What do we pray? We pray the Lord's Prayer. This is a good one to remember. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. How much evil should we pray to be delivered from? All evil. Let's say you pray now, your heart's pure. You're getting out the the parking lot here. Somebody cuts you off. You want to cuss. Lord, deliver me from evil right now. Deliver me from a potty mouth. Come on. Let's keep it real. Tonight, gentlemen, you're looking at your computer, feeling tempted to look at stuff you shouldn't. Lord, deliver me from evil. Right now, Lord, I ask you, deliver me. Deliver me from this evil. Some of you have addictions, habits. You're going to get drawn towards them in your flesh. It won't die tonight. It takes time for the the habit to break. But in your heart, you're going to stand up to it. You're going to say, no, it's over now, but your craving may still be there. Say, Lord, deliver me. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from this addiction. Set me free. Set me free. Right now, would everybody just say amen and look up here. I feel led of the Lord to give you testimonies. Every altar worker here is going to confess a sin Jesus has delivered you from because we aren't alone. You're not alone. We're standing up here together. God has delivered me from pornography, anger, and violence. What has God delivered you from?
2: From jealousy. Addiction.
3: What about death? Smoking, right? When we threw down them cigarettes, what did God deliver you from? Uh, Anger and pornography. Come on, what did God deliver you from? Hatred and pornography. That's right. What did God deliver you from? Pornography and hopelessness. How many are happy to see men deliver from pornography? How many are happy to see men living holy? What did God deliver you from? Depression and insecurity. Hello, somebody. No more depression medication for this brother. That's a testimony. What did God deliver you from? Pornography and addiction. Amen. What kind of addiction? Be specific.
1: Cigarette. That's
3: right. And smoking weed? Yes, sir. All right. You used to drink? Got drunk. That's right. Now you saved. Amen. Are you all the way clean? Yes, sir. Amen. What did God set you free from?
0: From drugs, from a broken heart, from loneliness, and from um, being a follower, not a
3: leader. That's right. What did God set you free from?
0: Sexual immorality.
3: Like bisexuality, that kind of stuff? That kind of stuff that we see paraded on TV right now. God set you free from that. You married. Give it up for Jesus. She got born again.
2: Uh, Drugs, alcohol, the whole thing.
3: What you see on MTV, she got delivered from. What Katy Perry wants her to do. What would you get delivered from?
1: Pornography, uh, drunkenness, uh, sin, basically everything. What would you get delivered from?
2: Drugs, game
3: banking. uh, Used to be in gangs. Used to want to hurt people. Jesus set you
2: free. Yes, He did. Come on.
3: What did Jesus set you free from? Anger,
1: uh, anger, pornography, just a lot of psychological things.
3: Amen. Freedom of the mind. What did God set you free from?
1: God set me free from pornography and uh, just religion, really.
3: What kind of religion? Trying to please people, do the right thing, thinking you're helping God out, but really you're not helping anybody out. Come on, give it up for not being religious, knowing Jesus. My little drummer boy, hallelujah. What did God set you free from?
1: God has kept me pure. God has kept me full of joy, full of life, and it's been an amazing journey.
3: Let's give it up for Jesus. Will we all stand up today? Let's give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Gloria a Dios. Father, we get ready to dismiss here. I pray no one leaves the same way they came. I pray anyone who needs prayer, anyone who needs further deliverance will receive it today. And all of us will leave out of here clean because of the words you've spoken. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Give God one more hand. Clap